0: Hey guys, we are supported by Sharpier's Bakery, and we've been supported by Sharpier's Bakery for the last year, and I tell you, I couldn't be more proud of this partnership. Guys, they're a locally owned and operated bakery right here in Nashville for the last 36 years. Yes, they deliver fresh baked bread daily to your restaurant's back door, and man, is it good. You wanna know what kind of bread they make? Go check them out at sharpiesbakery.com. That's C-H-A-R-P-I-E-R-S, bakery.com. So they have over 200 types of bread. And if you're wondering, well, hey, look, it's a special recipe that I like to use that you know, we bake it in our house and it's just, it's a kind of a pain, but we, we like to do it. They can take your recipe and make that bread for you without any of the hassle, the mess, the labor, They'll just deliver right to your door every single day. It is freshly baked. They love to give you a tour of their facility. Give Erin Mosso a call. Her number is 615-319-6453. You should do it now. We are supported by Robbins Insurance, a local insurance agency providing customized insurance policies, sound guidance, and attentive service. Robbins Insurance is the go-to agency for hospitality professionals in Nashville. Listen, Robbins knows how hard industry professionals work every single day. They also know how devastating accidents can be, be it a grease fire that damages the kitchen, a severe storm that cuts off power or a customer slip and fall incident, both the extensive experience and the savvy to create a policy that protects your business from accidents like those, you can rest easy, knowing that the work you've put in will not be for nothing. Visit Robbins' website at robbinsins.com to request a consultation or call Matthew Clements directly. His number is 863-409-9372. Protection you can trust. That's Robbins. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. We are powered by Gordon Food Service, and man, oh man, I am excited for two things today. Number one, Caroline is back. Caroline's feeling better. She's back, and telling you. It's just, this is a damn good interview. We are talking to Steve Cavendish today. Steve is the uh, CEO, president, editor, all of those things for the new Nashville banner. He used to be the former editor over at the Nashville scene. He worked for the Chicago Tribune. He's kind of been all over the place and he has lots of opinions. And today we get into those opinions. Lots of fun in this conversation. I've had so many people say, have you had Steve Cavendish on the show yet? And I've said, no, but I would love to. And today's the day. I mean, it's a Monday. It's going to be, I, I was looking at the weather. It's going to rain for like the next six weeks. And uh, I think we need something to brighten our day. And I think this episode's going to be the one. This, uh, we finished the episode. It was so funny. We finished the episode. Steve left, took pictures, all that stuff. And, and Caroline looked at me. She goes, that was an awesome interview. And I said, yeah, I had a lot of fun there. That was crazy. We feel like we could do interviews with Steve Cavendish all the time. And you know what? I feel like that with a lot of guests. But today is a special one. I'm excited that you're here for it. It's uh, an hour and 10 minutes or so. So we're going to jump right in. Let's go. Hi. Hey, everybody out there. <laughs> so we are super excited today to welcome in Steve Cavendish. He is the editor-president of the Nashville Banner, uh, former editor of the Nashville Scene. You've been a food writer for years. You're all over Nashville. Thanks for joining us today. Good to be here. This is exciting. So you're one of those names that people have brought up to me at least nine times.
1: I'm actually
2: quite surprised <laughs> that this is your first time on me the too. show.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, this is definitely a fun moment for us.
1: Uh, I, I hope it was brought up in a uh, in a nice way and oh, not nice. a, that, like that asshole Steve Cavendish.
0: You know what? No, most of the time it's, have you had Steve Cavendish on the show? you got to have Steve Cavendish. He would be a great guest for you to have on the show. You should
1: have Steve Cavendish. Steve will okay. say anything.
0: <laughs> well, I think anybody who's opinionated and has been around in the scene for a long time who understands the dynamic of everything that's happening is a good interview. I and mean, those are the people who you want to hear their opinions. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. go. Tell me about the Nashville Banner.
1: Let's start there. So the Nashville Banner is a nonprofit, uh, nonpartisan news organization uh, that we that Dimitri Kawadimos and I have been working to launch here now for a couple of years. Um, we started we we started trying to raise money in twenty twenty. Uh, small bit of advice to anyone who's interested: don't try to raise money in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, we started we we started getting funding, uh, in earnest in 2021. Uh, and we hope to be finished and launched here soon in 2023. So mainly so we can be up before the mayor and council races. Uh, we're, a we're a news only organization. Uh, we're only going to do what you, what people would call kind of straight news. Um, we're going to cover politics and the courts and, um, the state house and you know, things like that, uh, we're not gonna cover food. So <laughs> but uh, I
2: think it's fair to say that those types of political issues are things that affect restaurants and the food culture in Nashville. Breen and I were actually just chatting before you arrived about the recent anti drag legislation. Yeah. And that majorly affects, you know, food oh, yeah. establishments. Well I
1: think and I think particularly when you when you get into Talking, I mean, what what most people don't understand about the restaurant business, and you guys know all too well, is that, I mean, res, uh, most restaurants that are independents uh, are are small businesses. They're entrepreneurs that they, they, they have deep ties into the community. They have uh, they're they're a lot they're about a lot more than just food. And you know, those you're exactly right. Those issues those issues definitely affect them.
2: Steve, what do you think is the state of Reporting in general in Nashville, and why did you feel like it was important to launch the banner when you did? Or relaunch, I guess.
1: So, there has been, uh, and I'll, I'll try not to flood you guys out with statistics here. Uh, I can send you a pitch deck if you want to. It's okay. Uh, flood. Flood. The, the In in the United States, the number of people, the, the Pew uh, Foundation report, uh, there's, there's, there's a pretty big report from the Pew Foundation a few years ago which says, more than sixty percent of all newsroom jobs, in the, since I think twenty ten, have been cut. Um, you know this this mirrors uh, sort of a decline uh, over the years. Uh, the the, the uh, it goes along with the decline of print journalism. Um, the problem is that print jobs and print newsrooms have often been the the catalyst for news in in many um, in many areas. Uh, so. There's a downstream effect from news, uh, and when you have a, when you have a big print newsroom, um, there you know the broadcast journal, uh, the broadcast outlets tend, tend to follow kind of what they do. They tend to put more the, the print um, newsrooms tend to put more resources into kind of bigger, deeper, more investigative, more and kind of broader coverage. Uh, they, they tend to tend to be bigger, the biggest newsrooms in town. As a matter of fact, there was a really good report on public radio. Uh, here uh, a couple of weeks ago that said that uh, one of the, one of the big problems that public radio stations around the country have in terms of their news reports, because a, a lot of these small uh, NPR affiliates that don't, that don't have their own newsrooms were essentially ripping and reading uh, from local news coverage. And is that local news coverage has been hollowed out. Their, their coverage has been hollowed out. And so th- these places are becoming more and more news deserts. Um, you know, that's true in ten, that's true throughout Tennessee. That's true here in Nashville. I worked at the original Nashville banner. The, the, the banner uh, when it was bought by Gannett and closed in 1998, they took about a third of that newsroom into the Tennesseans' newsroom. And so you had, sorry, uh, you had about 180 people in that newsroom. That number is now around 60. Um, that's a two-thirds decline in, in a little over 20 years. And the effects of it are massive. Um, you know, I, I wrote for the banner, uh, I wrote, uh, a piece about an exoneration that was, uh, of, that was, uh, and the, the impetus for it was this, uh, judge's order, George Mark Fishman had written this order kind of excoriating, uh, Tory Johnson's, uh, DA's uh, DA's office. Uh, he he was the DA up until 2014. This guy, th- he said, basically they let this guy sit in jail for 10 years. They knew about it. They could have let him out. All of this stuff was sitting like on a public docket someplace. Uh, but because we don't have court reporters who that are reading dockets, uh, this thing sat there for weeks and weeks and weeks until I, you know, I, until I found it. Uh, but this thing in another era would have been a three or four day news story. Uh, uh, about uh, about kind of the problems in the DA's office and where they systemic and whatever else. So uh, that's a long way of saying we've lost local news reporting uh, resources. And so with, what Dimitri and I uh, put our heads together, I used to be the editor of the scene. I left the scene uh, when as that company was kind of exploding uh, before it was sold to, to Bill Freeman in 2018. Um, that's another story for another <laughs> day. Uh, but... But the, uh, I'm not Bill Freeman, but like the Almost old. Like
0: Bill Freeman owns the scene.
1: Bill Freeman owns the scene. And Bill Freeman has actually been, has been a very good steward to the scene. Uh, they didn't have any layoffs during the pandemic. Uh, he, he has, he has done a very good job kind of, kind of maintaining, uh, maintaining that place. Uh, and, and kudos to him. Um, the, the previous owners were bastards, but. <laughs> Don't <laughs> but, hold back. But, but that's a, that's another matter. Um. But so when I left the scene and Demetrio Kalodimos had left Channel Four, but, and we've been friends for years, uh, we were kind of looking at how do you, what is something that puts more local resources back into Nashville, uh, and this nonprofit news model has been the the dominant uh, new model in in markets across the country, um, and you see outlets like the Texas Tribune, you see like the uh, like. Um, uh, Oh, in Chicago block, um, oh, the reader, no, no um, uh, um, oh, block club, block club, yeah. uh, or the city in New York city, uh, there, but there's these outlets kind of all over the country that are springing up, um, that are nonprofit that are built around, uh, membership or subscriptions in, instead of, uh, instead of advertising. Um, you know, they do some advertising, they'll have some sponsorship, but the digital ad model sucks, uh. The reason why places like the Tennessean that have lost print subscription can't replace it, they're, they're replacing print dollars that they're losing with digital dimes and pennies, and it's not replacement revenue, and so they're going to continue to cut. So we, we were looking at this as a problem that needed to be solved, and so that's why we've been raising money. And so we're most of the way towards a $2 million goal. Uh, when we hit that $2 million, we'll flip the switch, uh, turn on a newsroom of 10 people, and start going.
2: Congratulations.
1: Well, we're not there yet, but we're getting close. How would I donate if I'm listening to this and I want to donate out there? How would I do it? Go to NashvilleBanner.com. You'll see a link at the top uh, that says support. Uh, There's a little digital sign-up page. On the first page, there is a sign-up that gives gives your email to us. That will sign you up for every story that Demetri and I produce right now in this kind of pre-launch period we we're producing stuff on an, on an irregular basis. We, we were, we, we were saying, you know, kind of twice monthly, but we've been particularly since the mayoral stuff has picked up, uh, we've been doing like long form interviews with, uh, the different mayoral candidates when they, when they come in. Uh, I've got an interview, uh, I'll interview, I've got an interview with Fran Bush that I did yesterday. That'll go up here pretty soon. And then I'm um, talking to Jeff Yarbrough here and we'll, we'll sit down and going to hash out some of the issues as as he jumped into the mayoral race last week.
2: We are actually interviewing um, Sharon Hurt in a couple weeks. Yeah, Congresswoman Hurt. I'm very excited. This is like our first official politician we're going to have in the studio. Um, So speaking of the upcoming mayor's race, what do you think that us in the food and restaurant industry, um, both on the worker side and ownership side, should be looking at? When it comes to our mayor, mayoral candidates,
1: I mean, I, I think that I think that there are questions of affordability that every that everybody uh, has right now. Whether you're just living here, whether you're running a business, whether you're a kind of a worker in this economy, you know the the Nashville the Nashville that you guys came to ten years, ten years, I'll, eleven I'll, years actually, ago.
2: Actually, yeah, almost eleven now. Uh,
1: eleven years ago is is dramatically different in a, in a number of different ways it's it, it's the nashville that i came home to in 2011 i'd been in chicago at the at the tribune we came home i came home to run the city paper in, in 2011 and the that nashville was you know significantly cheaper uh Gosh. that na- that time. nashville was um not as explosive downtown uh that Nashville did not have the, you know, the, the tourism numbers were always there, but they weren't in the kind of aggressive, <laughs> uh, aggressive numbers that they are right now. I mean, it, you know, the tu- the tourism numbers went from, you know, you know, nine, 10 million a year to like 15, 16 million wild and kind of, kind of within that decade, I, I'd have to go back and, you know, don't hold me to, w- to what those the numbers are. I'm sure the CVC has, has the most up-to-date version right. of it. Um, but, but you know, it's a 50% growth in-, in, in sort of, It's been insane. Yeah, and, and so, and so the, you know, the downstream effects of that have all sort of- oh, That's like the second or third time I've used that metaphor. i got to stop doing that. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the effects of that are serious. And, uh, you know, they affect housing. They affect prices. They affect uh, wages. They affect all these sorts of things. Uh, every mayoral candidate- it is going to say something about affordability um, because they've all done the polling and they all know exactly what uh, what kind of issues are on people's mind. I don't know that it'll be inter- uh, you, it'll be interesting to ask them to press them for answers about exactly what they can do. So, hmm.
2: do you see in in terms of? affordability and wages do you see nashville ever being a city that um increases a mandatory minimum wage as some others chicago san francisco places like this have done
1: um no because the state legislature legislature will not let them mm. um you know you're the, the other set of the, the other biggest set of issues is kind of state preemption and sort of the relationship between the state and nashville uh they're gonna cut the size of the council from forty to twenty ish. I mean, they're they're haggling over kind of the details right now. Um, you know, but there's they a, are going to do that. The, that's almost a guarantee. Uh, now, there, there's also a bill that would like eliminate runoffs in local elections, uh, which I I don't know is going to pass, but it's certainly gonna you know it's certainly going to be there. Um, there are a couple of there's there's a bill that would eliminate the dedicated tax streams which fund the bonds for the music city center uh and you know a lot of this is simply because the the metro council said you know we don't want to have the rnc uh in nashville in either 2024 or, or so the mayor has kind of kicked this down the, the mayor and the the people negotiating this have kind of kicked this down the road to there's a proposal that to, for nashville to try to host the the DNC and the RNC uh, in 2028.
2: Hmm, interesting. Do you think it was a
1: mistake for us to to back out of that? Uh, I understand the I understand the criticism that people have about not wanting the RNC here. Um, the flip side of that is is we had the NRA convention here. I mean. Uh, NRA convention, which was, by the way, was much bigger. I mean, had NRA convention was like forty five thousand people. Mm-hmm. You had you had people staying in Kentucky, to, you know, to come into the, to, to come into that convention. Now, do you want the NRA convention here? I don't think that I, I don't think that once we built a six hundred and ninety million dollar convention center and hung a shingle out, that 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 we're necessarily in the business. We should be in the business of, you know, saying no, we don't like you. So so. Don't come. Um, I, I, I get the politics of it. I get the, you know, from a restaurant point of view, uh, to, to kind of bring it back here, um, I have talked to people in other convention cities and they have said the same thing, which is that it's a shitty week for restaurants.
2: It, it actually is. And, and it's funny that you, I, I like to hear you say that because I think that for people who don't work in the restaurant industry, who are looking at something like, you know, the the RNC or when we had the NFL draft or when we have you know CMA Fest these kinds of big events I even have talked to some friends of mine that are chefs and restaurant owners downtown within walking distance of where these events are taking place and they've said it is horrible. For ask business. ask
1: the people that were inside the zone uh, for the NFL draft <clears throat> if they would do it again. Oh, don't and, the and
2: reason we don't have Music City Food and Wine anymore. Is because of the bungled NFL draft.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's a, that maybe that's for a different story for a different time, but, but in a nutshell, the company that produced the NFL draft, the events company that produced the draft, recruited a bunch of local chefs and tours to work the draft. O- Over promise, way under delivered, did some, some things that, just made people really unhappy, and then two months later, we're saying, "Hey, everybody, sign up for Music City Food and Wine with us now!" And everybody's like, "Absolutely not!" And they never did it again.
1: Yeah, it killed it. Wow, I didn't know that. Yes, yeah. I mean, and you had- maybe there
2: was some other factors, but in in my estimation, that was the main one. I actually had a phone call with that company, and they said, "Hey, you as a business owner, can you?" just explain to us a little more why you won't participate in food and wine. I, and I, I gladly told them.
1: I, I mean, I had conversations. I, I wrote some stories for the scene around that time about kind of the, the like the post-draft thing and, and kind of why food and wine died. And, you know, the, you know Pat Martin used to set up one end, of, one end of music city, food and wine, and it was, I think it was called it, um,
2: Pat Martin and friends. That's
1: it, and and it was just it was just nothing but like giant fire pits and uh, big smoking apparatuses, and it was awesome. I mean, it was like it was like one of the coolest things to, to like get, just go s- stand out there and watch, and uh, you didn't even mind that it was like a thousand degrees and you're baking and you're standing in the middle of like fire and smoke. It was <laughs> it was really cool, and uh, Pat was livid because Pat used to put. Pat used to put a lot of his own money into that, recruiting people specifically for it because he thought it would be f- cool and would be a draw for the event. Uh, and, you know, he put up, you know, he put up people in hotels on his dime uh, because, of, you know, wow. in, in the middle of all that and got, you know, what I, I think a fair way to say it is he did not feel that that, that sort of level of commitment was re- reciprocated by the people running the event.
2: Basically, the people running the event made a shitload of money for their company off of the draft and all of the independent restaurants who participated, to my knowledge, um, either broke even or lost a significant amount of money. We fall in the lost a significant amount of money category as a result of our participation in the draft being a vendor.
1: How many how many how many how long were you guys selling Italian beef after that?
2: Oh, I I don't, I I can't even tell you. It was basically they, they had a mandatory amount that we were required to prepare for each day. We had to sign a contract that said we would have X number of portions for each day. Once we got there, we were literally on site day of informed that we would have to purchase sodas from the events company. And then whatever sodas we didn't sell, they would not buy back from us. Um, yeah, it was a cluster it was it was it was bad there was there <laughs> Off the arrow there was a long email thread that got spicy Um <laughs> at the time, but uh, yeah, basically they made a ton of money for their company off the draft Most of us all lost money and then they said hey Why don't you pay us six hundred dollars to participate in food and wine and we'll give you like a hundred dollar cisco credit or whatever bullshit they give you to participate in it yeah. and so they could again make you know, a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, says, the, absolutely not. Uh, the,
1: the, the, the simmering resentment among Nashville chefs over food and wine and kind of like the cost that they would put in and they would kill themselves to, in order to do stuff. I remember one year, um, Josh Habiger and, the, um, like right around the time Bastion launched, they had, they were, uh, they did some dish that had, it wasn't, it didn't have ice cream in it, but it had, it had something like super cold, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, of course, you know this thing was this thing was in, in
2: July, I think.
1: Was uh, I think it was like. Uh, oh, wasn't it? it? Was like uh, it was like August, but I mean, hell, it did not matter. I mean, same difference. Yeah. <laughs> and it was hot. And, and they were having people like run back and forth from like these th- these cool environments to kind of bring in to to have it there. Kerry uh, Bringle got. Uh, I don't know if he. I can't remember if he told this the story when he was here. Uh, you Kerry know, uh, was so <laughs> sort of put out over. The lack of uh, money that uh, that they got to prepare something was you get like what uh, I, I
2: I actually I it was like a, it I was, misspoke before yeah. I believe you got a five hundred dollar credit from Cisco but like a restaurant like mine I don't even work with Cisco so yeah. and, you know. and so you,
1: what do you do yeah, yeah <laughs> so and you and you get like you know, I'm you not going to serve
2: Cisco pork you know that's not representative of what my business does so you,
1: you, and you and by the way you feed people for two days on that. Right, and th- right. That are just like kind of constantly coming out. Yeah, you
2: have to make like 1,200 portions a day.
1: And so, so Carrie, so Carrie went to, went back to, uh, he has a relationship with Springer Mountain because that, that, I think they do all of his chicken or we're doing all of his chicken for a long time uh, and, and he asked them for all of the, for all of the wing tips that they, that they don't use and he just barbecued the wingtips and he served them as just the tips. Oh
2: uh, my God. <laughs>
1: uh, which I thought was just. Genius. That's and he, amazing. And he was like, he was like, hey, you know, oh, I guess Carrie would be, hey, I got him for free. <laughs> and uh, it was great.
0: We're going to take a short break to hear a word from our sponsors. Do you provide your team with health insurance? If you work for a restaurant right now that doesn't offer health insurance, do you need health insurance? Because Dan Maher over at Southern Health Insurance wants to change that. If you're a local restaurant and you just, you really want to offer health insurance, there are so many benefits. Improved employee retention, you have happier team members, which means longer tenures and less training time. Smoother shifts make everyone's lives easier, meaning happier employees are more likely to stick around. When employees take care of their health, they're less likely to take sick days. This means reduction in lost productivity and revenue for your business. Fewer sick days, wouldn't that be great? You have improved morale, a healthy workplace with opportunities for growth is a happy workplace. Encouraging your team's well-being will result in higher morale and better work performance. Guys, all of these things, Dan offers health insurance. He offers visual insurance and dental, as well as life insurance. And guys, if you're out there and the marketplace is just too tough to navigate, Dan can answer any question that you may have. Any business, if you're a small business, it doesn't have to be a restaurant, you need to call Southern Health Insurance. 832-816-8602 if you prefer to email you can email dan at southernhealthins.com what chefs want story is incredibly unique the owner ron turnier met with a bunch of chefs in louisville back in the early 2000s and asked them one simple question what do you want and the chefs they responded emphatically we want deliveries on sunday We wanna be able to split any item that you sell. We want a frictionless experience where we feel like we're being served. And so you know what he did? Something crazy. He did just that. So What Chefs Want is not only a company that's delivering fresh produce, fresh seafood, fresh custom cut meats, specialty items, dairy, gourmet, all of that seven days a week. They also offer 24/7 customer support. You want to call, you want to text, you want to email, you can talk to somebody 24-7. Get your delivery seven days a week in an amazing selection of products. That is What Chefs Want. So if you ever wonder why do they call it that, that's your reason. Check them out at whatchefswant.com. He's a brilliant guy. Yeah. he's
2: He's, He's a resourceful dude. I love Kerry. I really do. That's funny. That was oh, a fun interview man.
0: that we just did. You listen to that interview?
1: I've, I've, I've listened to the first half of it. I, I, I've, I've, got to, I've got to finish it up.
0: Well, I want to go back just a, a little bit to the Nashville Banner. Sure, I think it's super cool. It's just kind of, I, I didn't know. I didn't know a lot that you know the Tennesseean went from one hundred and sixty to or one hundred eighty or whatever the number was to sixty people, and you think there is a lot of stories that get missed.
1: Yeah, I mean, so so, and I always tell it in like in terms of in terms of people. But let me put it to you this way: What would happen if you had fifty more stories about Nashville every single day, before but done by a high-quality newsroom? What would that What would that mean?
0: I think that would have I, a lot more information, a lot more accountability.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, think think about what you could do with that bandwidth. I mean, that's what we've lost, and and. I'm I'm hyper concerned about uh, the the stuff on the news side because, for, like for instance, it means that uh, races don't get covered. Um, it means that you don't do uh, you don't do deep vetting of candidates. So Phil Williams just had a series on channel f- on Channel Five about Andy Ogles, um, that with with some sort of. I mean, I mean, it's not quite uh, George Santos, but uh, but it's but you can see George Santos from where that's where those stories are. Uh, you know, you just kind of the embellishment of the was it Dartmouth? Yeah, Dartmouth. So, so Dartmouth and In Vanderbilt, and, uh, Vanderbilt he had on his resume, but he had taken executive courses there, not not grad courses. Those are executive courses tend to be kind of for profit for the you know for the universities and uh, and often not taught by. Uh, it Depends on the program. I don't know what the case was here, but tend to be, tend to not be taught necessarily by a faculty there. And so, yeah, I mean, between that and like, he said, you know, I'm an economist and that's not what his degrees in it, Or he said, you know, I'm in law enforcement. I was, you know, you know, and I think it,
0: a deputy yeah, and a volunteer I, deputy off, off duty kind of, a. my favorite was, you know, theory. I've been involved in,
1: <laughs> in like international law enforcement around sex crimes and uh, yeah, and, and and it's just it, it's it, the the lack. I mean, the hollowing out of the media uh, has meant that you know stuff like that. You know, I, I think that the most common uh, response that Phil's gotten here over the last few weeks is uh, since since those stories ran, which was that's great. You know, why couldn't you have done this before November? Because all of this was known sort of internally by um, by the. Uh, by the campaigns that were running against Ogle's, uh, why they didn't make a case of it, I don't know. Um, uh, but but certainly, uh, the Campbell campaign knew about this stuff in the fall and but before but pre uh, pre primary, um, you know, I think I think the Harwell and um, uh, a couple of the other campaigns knew about it. So.
0: so your goal is to take this mayoral race and cover all aspects and really. I think it's so important. We talked about it with Carrie that you a that you go vote and b that you actually study the candidates and know what you believe and identify with each candidate for who believes the most like you and then vote for that person. And you're looking to bring that information to everybody out there.
1: Yeah, and and, you know we care. Like I said, we're going (laughs) to care about news and we're going to care about digging in on. Issues around the race, Uh, you know, what we don't want to do is kind of cover this as as kind of one of the critiques of the of one of the critiques of news uh, uh, coverage over the last 25, 30 years has been kind of this emphasis, particularly in campaign seasons on horse race coverage and the the you know, who's winning, who's who's ahead, who's, you know, this perception of of winning as opposed to uh, what are the issues, you know, where do people Care what issues do people care about? What, how do candidates? What What do they plan to do about those issues? Uh, and I, I think kind of it gives us, you know, launching a new organization gives us a chance to recenter around uh, issue coverage as opposed to horse race coverage and these sorts of things. And I hope what it, you know we, we what we say to people is you know, there's a there's a little d i mean there's a little d democrat problem in in nashville uh in in terms of like the news that it takes to make a democracy functional uh and because we don't have enough of it and you know that's not that's not that's not necessarily a criticism of the people that are covering the news right now it's just that we don't have enough bandwidth Uh, we don't have enough people covering uh what is an, an explosively uh growing city uh You know the 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 city that I grew up in here in the 80s and 90s is is massively bigger. Uh, I I was telling this to somebody the other day. You know, I have the same I have the native problem that a lot of people do, which is that I still think Nashville's a 15 minute city that I that I can get across town in 15 minutes. And I was you know five minutes late getting here (laughs) because I didn't count for like the sheer volume of traffic on 21st this morning because that never. That, never that used to happen. Never used to happen. No, and, and I used to, you know, I used to live in this area, at, at, you know, after college. I went to Belmont. Uh, I, I lived in a house that maybe we could throw a softball uh, and hit it. You, we'd have to throw it across twenty first. So you have, have to have a pretty good arm. It'd be but, a baseball. Uh, yeah, maybe throw. maybe a baseball. Yeah, no maybe maybe not a softball, <laughs> um, but certainly you could you could throw it from Browns and, and, and hit the house we lived in, and those the, the, the that traffic didn't exist. And, and, I, and and those, the, you know, a lot of these issues kind of didn't exist. I drive
0: through Hills. Hillsboro Village is probably the place that makes me saddest in Nashville, in all honesty. Because I used to live, I used to live in a condo behind Sam's. Like, my windows looked at, like, the yeah. back parking lot of, like, Zoomy Sushi back in the day. But Sam's and Bosco's and Sunset Grill and Jackson's, sit on the patio at Jackson's was, like, just, it was just a great thing. It was just right there in Fido. And then the villager is still there. Which yep. is amazing, but it's just a completely different landscape now, and there's just people everywhere, and you know, there's
1: which of the next round, uh, round of leases is up, and see how that place changes.
0: Oh, I am I'm, I'm scared. It's every every yeah. little neighborhood in Nashville is doing that. I mean, it, second that leases. Are you know,
1: we we talk about we, we talk about the kind of like the loss of independent music venues, but the the loss of independent restaurants uh, in in some of these areas. Uh, is going to be it, it's just it's just horrifying, and those Village is, is kind of is kind of you know case study A and all that.
0: Yeah, I, I believe so too. I, it's, you know, it's just sad. Demetria Kaladimos, <laughs> the best, beloved. She's the And I was watching a promo for the Nashville Banner, and you guys are partnering with Channel Five. Yep. And at the end of it, she says, "And there's if you look in her eyes, there's almost smirk." She says, "News Channel Five, where." local coverage lives. And she almost has like a smile on her face when she says it, which I thought was kind of funny.
1: Well, well and she says it and she always says it in partnership with the new Nashville banner, uh, which is, which is part of the, which is part of the, the, which is one of the great things about those promos. They've, they've given us a lot of visibility.
0: Yeah, they, they certainly have. What was your, how did you, how did this come about? How did you get Demetria on board with you? How did you meet her? What is your kind of your history with Demetria?
1: Uh, when I came back to town, she and Jim Ridley were really good friends. Uh, Jim, Jim, who, uh, who was my predecessor as the editor of the scene. Uh, and I, you know, I mean, I grew up here uh, and like, like most boys of a certain age, I had a crush on Demetria. <laughs> <laughs> um, D- Demetria, uh, what Demetria sat behind an anchor desk at, at, channel four for over 30 years. And what most people don't realize about Demetria is she is one of the best reporters in town. She's not just a newsreader. Uh, And she, (laughs) Uh, there's a, there's a group called investigative reporters and editors, and there's a bunch of different awards kind of for different things kind of within the journalism community, Pulitzer's everybody knows about, and you may have heard of some other ones, but among like investigative reporters, the IRE awards are, are, are a big damn deal. Um, It's, it's a great set of judges that evaluate this, uh, these entries every year. And it just means a lot to uh, among journalists to win an IRE medal. You know, several people around town have an IRE medal. Demetria has three. Wow. Wow. And that, that to me says that says exactly what kind of reporter she is. I mean, you know, she's broken stuff for us here at the banner. Uh, it, that nobody else would have gotten. Uh, she did a report on, uh, and and you can you can find all of this if you go to the newsletter archive um, on nationalbanner.com You can find kind of all the stories that we've published, uh, including uh, links to videos that that she's done. Uh, she did a story a couple weeks weeks ago for us about this uh, this little girl who died down in Lawrence County, and the. It's been two years since the since the two-year-old's death, and there have been no charges. And D- uh, Demetria has an interview with the grandmother, uh, kind of about this. And then she, the grandmother, had made this, uh, had made had made this two-hour recording uh, with an investigator uh, at, in th- I believe it's the Lawrence County Sheriff's Office, that, that in which he detailed all the ways that that case was fucked up. And all of the ways that they got it wrong. Excuse me, sorry. I'll sit here and burp on your <laughs> ear. Um, it's all right. The all the ways that he, that he had got that, that they had that they had messed up the case in a way that probably prevents this from ever being charged. And so, a two-year-old's death uh, will 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 kind of you know n- there will never be kind of be justice for this kid and. You know, she had she had heard about the story had developed this relationship with uh this grandmother, and the grandmother comes in and gives her the statement and said, "I made this recording and uh and so we built you know built this this uh story around uh around the interview and kind of explaining uh, explaining all this and you know hopefully to kind of spur the you know spur something on to happen, but you know also to kind of show what happens, uh, what kind of, what happens in these situations when you don't get it right. And she, she has a commitment to doing kind of really, you know, really uh, important stories uh, and she, and doing them really well. She's just the best. How do you find, how does, how do you,
0: I'm not an investigative reporter by any means. I'm a restaurant guy. I like sharing stories of other restaurant people. So I'm, Caroline has a, has a, a drive for a lot... Of, I think Caroline could be a reporter. She has so many ideas. She could on, be a reporter. I'm nosy. I love... Is that, is, that, is that it? Do you have to be nosy? I have a curious
2: mind. I want to know everything about everything all the time. How do you find these stories? Nosy.
0: Like, how do you... how Do you do you see it somewhere else? Do you get tips? Do people call you and say, hey, this happened in, you know, it's, this county, and there's it, a two-year-old that died, and it, you need it's to a do combination, some
1: research. It's a combination of all those things, and, you know, in Demetrius' case, she has... <laughs> so it's so it's really funny like um like if i put something on facebook and i'm not encouraging anyone to spend any amount of time on facebook but if i put something on facebook you know there's like there's like i mean i've got however many friends but you really i mean there's just like there's like 25 people including you know like some members of my family that are going to see this thing because I, I just don't i don't i don't do much on facebook uh the algorithm doesn't pick me up and put me in people's feeds Dimitri will put something on Facebook, and it'll just go. You could just sort of like watch it explode, Mm. Uh, because because she's had you know she has all these people that have followed her over the years, and and she has such a she has such a uh, uh, kind of a huge sort of uh, presence even still within the public. One of the, one of the best things in the world to do is to go to lunch with Demetri and sit outside. I just watch to wait for like the inevitable, somebody to, to come by and, and be like, oh my God, are you Demetri Caledimos? I love you. Aww. That and
0: happened to me a couple weeks ago.
1: Somebody came by and said they loved you?
0: No, Demetri was eating in my restaurant. Oh.
1: <laughs> and I walked by. I walked by and I was
0: like, holy shit, that's Demetrio kelly yeah. Like,
1: Wait, wait, were you the person? That did- that's what I'm saying. I was the person.
0: I didn't actually go to the table because it was my restaurant and I didn't want to be that guy. I've only done that like twice. And one was, you know, Reba I go talk to, but then um, Billy Corgan from Sash Mashing Pumpkins. I was like, sure. ah, I, shoot I your dude, shot. I got to meet okay. you, man. Like, you're my... Was he
2: friendly?
0: Oh, he was incredibly friendly. Mm, he was incredibly friendly. You know? uh, yeah, he was having lunch. But like... I saw Demetri I was like,
2: holy shit.
0: Like that's Demetri Caledemus. And the I walked back in the icon. kitchen and I was like, Demetri Caledemus. And the guy, the guy expo was like, who? It's like, Never mind. We'll go to the next. But he just moved here. I'm like, you don't know who she is. Like, but
1: one, one of the, we, we were talking about kind of a series of questions to ask the mayoral candidates. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, somebody said the litmus test that the litmus test we ought to use is, uh, we should ask all the candidates if, uh, if they know who did Demetria's clothes when she was on when she was on Channel Cast Floor. or not? Well, no, no, it was the French Shop.
0: Oh, it was the French Shop? Oh, uh, I, I, I was thinking because it, I thought it was it was Cast or not for a long time. So it was Cast or not, and
1: then and then it was the French Shop for like for, for like forever. For the French Shop, yeah, yeah. And then what? What most and most people still associate it with her, uh, but. Uh, the last few years, I think it was Dillard's uh, that, that did it because, and she told me this, she told me this one time, she said, I, I, it's one of the questions that I, I had always asked, uh, wanted to know. And so I asked, I just asked her, I said, you know, all right, all right, how, how long did the French shop do your clothes? And she said, um, she said, not as long as you would think, uh, because they, they like, they had like this kind of like change in style. Uh, Like of all the clothes Mm -hmm. in the uh, in the in the store, and she said she said it was like they had like this whole like tropical thing at one point, (laughs) and she's like I can't wear that on air, (laughs) and so and so they switched the sponsorship to Dillard's. So the the
0: OG influencer over here, (laughs) like it wasn't like her showing a thing on Instagram. Like (laughs) no no read the credits, you'll see what I got.
1: But but uh, but. But she, I, I, she still gets French shop questions to this day. I mean, really? that, that was like the greatest. That was like the greatest marketing money that that anybody ever spent was was uh, the French shop on. Where is the one.
0: is the French shop still a thing?
1: It still exists. Yeah, I think.
0: I've never been there. Have you been there?
2: I'm not familiar with it. Sorry to say, well, we're gonna I'll we're gonna to blow them up, up <laughs> now. The nine so. people
0: listening to this is gonna be amazing.
2: <laughs> so, Steve, I want to take it back for a second, um, back to kind of earlier in your career. I know you spent some time doing some food writing and sports reporting as well. Is that correct? Uh, I
1: have done a little bit of everything when I got started. So, when you worked at the Banner, and, and I, you know, I, I worked at the Banner like straight out of school in the nineties. Uh, I graduated on a Saturday, started on a Monday. Uh, and I was on, you know, I was a, I was a designer slash art director by, by trade. Uh, we, we would put together the paper together every morning, but like, like my typical day at the banner was like, go put in, we were an afternoon paper. So my shift, like if I was, if I was, uh, putting together sports, uh, my shift started at like three 30 or 4 a.m. Uh, or if you're doing the front page, it would start at like 5 a.m. Uh, first edition closes at at like eight something. And then the second edition closes like around noon. And so, you know, at noon you're done for the day. Uh, And so typically like I'd go home, take a nap and then get up and like go cover something. And so, you know, sometimes it meant you went and covered like a planning commission meeting or, you know, sometimes it meant that, you know, I wrote a lot of sports. And so, uh, so I would go cover, I would go cover games. uh, And, it was great. It was the it was the best experience in the world. It was the, the kind of thing that you can do when you're 23 years old, that now <laughs> I could never do. Like if like if I like if you put me through that schedule, I would last maybe a week, mm-hmm. and then I would be dead uh, today. But but I but I did a lot of that, and and but I worked all over the country as a as a as a designer, and and kind of page editor, and then uh, when I was at the Tribune. I'd always wanted to write more. Uh, there was a bunch of stuff happening at the Tribune uh, and Tribune papers at the time. They were doing all this consolidation work. They had they had asked me to uh, <laughs> they had asked me to help consolidate some Tribune papers. Like they would go in and like wipe out their copy desks and their and the, all their designers and pull all that production back to Chicago. Oh,
2: and like the Daily Herald or like no,
1: like um like like the Newport News Daily Press or oh, interesting or, or um the Hartford current or stuff like that. And so, uh, so I was the guy that they would send in cause I was like, a, I was a manager there and, and I was the guy they would send in and be like, I'm from Chicago and I'm here to help you (laughs) and people uh, love that. And I was, I I was the guy, I was the guy that they were, you know, people were saying, you know, that fucker is, is is here to, you know, because they fired all our people last week. And after after once or twice of doing that, you know, and as soul crushing as uh, that was (laughs) to do, um, I said I would like to go back to writing. And so uh, Mm -hmm. I cut a deal with them where I took like, I took basically like every terrible shift uh that that I could take in, in exchange for letting me go to features and just picking up whatever I could and, and so and so that's how I started you know doing uh, going back to going back to writing uh and and doing and doing food stuff and then when I came here uh in 2011 to edit the my wife and I are both from Nashville uh both grew up here and when we when we came back uh I did a lot of that full-time uh, at, the, at the City Paper, and I, I would write a lot because we were owned by the same company. I would write a lot for the scene, uh, and I was doing basically like kind of a bunch of food criticism food criticism work for the scene while, uh, while the, the City Paper was still alive. And then after they closed that and kind of moved in, I, I did a little bit of a, all of it.
0: Can we talk about food criticism for a minute? Sure. This is a hot topic. Sure. I just this morning on Facebook – I never ever reply to anybody's stupid post, but somebody posted a review of a, a restaurant right down the street from me and it was
2: like some like somebody's personal opinion on of it, Hit you mean? Bellevue, Yeah. Oh, okay. It was a oh, this Bellvue. restaurant
0: is terrible and you shouldn't go there. And it's a it's a great restaurant. It's a great restaurant that's ran by locally owned and operated people that are friends of mine, but like also I've eaten there several times and it was really good. And I replied and I'm like, What's your in game, man? Like yeah. you, you've also complained that there's no restaurants close by. Somebody takes a chance on your neighborhood and opens a really nice restaurant, and the first thing you do is go on hit Bellevue and just completely tell people to stop going there. Like, I I don't understand. And and the review was our appetizers came after our entrees, and then they said we'll take it away, but we'll comp it, and we're just we're done with this place. And I'm like, hey man, it's Valentine's. Like shit happens. Like this is a a newer restaurant. But they they took care of it. And a manager came to the table, took care of one of their entrees, like did the whole thing. And I'm like, wait, wait this was Valentine's? This was a late. It was a couple days after Valentine's. Okay. It was like Thursday. that The guy went
1: and this but, is like going out on New Year's Eve and demanding, right? Yeah,
0: I mean, it, it's essentially, yeah. but it's like, dude, what's what's your game? And I think that everybody in the world is now a critic because everybody has Yelp and everybody has Facebook and anybody who has a bad experience can now just go, oh, I had a bad experience and I'm the most important person in the world and you should listen to me. But you did it professionally. So I think it's a good opportunity while we have you here. Sure. So let's go over some groundwork on this. Like how, how do people, if you're out there and everybody who's listening is a critic. Sure. What are some Tell me about your days doing it. What was your process? How did you go about it? Because I think it's important for people to know these things.
1: So, I so I think I think a couple of things. One is you you should have a level of empathy for the people that are serving your food. Um, and if you know if if they do something that is so bad that it outstrips that empathy, great. <laughs> but 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 um, you should have a level of empathy for it for the people that that make your food uh, because it's hard. Uh, I mean, what most people don't, uh, what most people don't know about restaurants is that uh, these people are not getting rich. Uh, These people are operating on shitty margins Uh, that they, that every single day, if it's a quality restaurant, they are starting from scratch uh, basically. Uh, And, that they are, you know, the the process of making your meal happen is an all day affair that requires multiple people, and and it requires kind of you know sticking the landing there at the end, and it's really fucking hard. It is, and, and so so start with that level of empathy, and then and then uh, and then evaluate them kind of based, uh, you know, based on that. I only wrote a couple of. Of really negative reviews, uh, in my time at the scene, uh, do you?
2: I, I, can Can you name names? Well, I
1: mean, there's a there's a San review out there that that I wrote that was like, it was it was it was pretty. I basically said this is a beautiful place, you know, it, it is not a, it, it is it is not a good restaurant. Um, and it was and it was something. And this is something else that people have to kind of take into consideration. As working for a publication that receives a fair amount of its uh, a, a fair amount of money from restaurants that advertise with the scene, um, every time I wrote something that was really negative, there, it it could have consequences. Uh, M Street pulled their advertising uh, from the scene. It cost us thousands of dollars. Uh, and to, to uh, Mike Smith, who's now the president of FW publishing, which is, which is over the scene and a bunch of other stuff was, was my publisher at the time. Mike Smith came by and put that review on my desk and told me the amount that it had cost and said, if you want to write that review again, write it. Um, Mm. and I, I think that that's important because, uh, A, it shows kind of the level of integrity that Mike has, but B, uh, the it it, there is a certain amount of credibility that that comes with writing a tough review. um, That if you can, there's a school of thought that says you only write good reviews, and that you, uh, and that you should only kind of lift up because there's so many people have so many options you should only sort of lift up the the best options i i i have a lot of sympathy for that position but i, I think that for the credibility of a publication you need to write critical reviews when they're when they are warranted you just don't just make sure you're not punching down when you do it yeah
2: i, I think too it's important that you know that reviewers also come at it from a really fair place. I do think, I agree with you. I think that critical food writing is very important. I think that there tends to be some critical food writing that maybe in my opinion, doesn't come from the right place. I read a review recently of a newer restaurant. I, I, I have no stake in this review. I've never been there. I don't know the people that own it. You know, it's a place that maybe I wouldn't go for just cause I don't know. I don't get out much, but as far it, it, it wasn't a great review, but as far as I could tell, the reviewers only ate there one time. Yeah, and it had only been open for two weeks, and so it's just like that's not, in, in my opinion, that's not the way to do it.
1: Yeah, so you have to have a set of standards, and the first first of which is multiple visits. Yeah, uh, you need to make sure that that w- what you see is indicative of what you what you see is indicative of the uh, of of the restaurant as a whole, and so. If it if it has systemic problems, then you then you can write about it because you've seen it for more than you understand that it's, that's it's not an isolated occurrence. Um, you also want to know if it's great, you know that you didn't catch like the the one great night, uh, and you want to try to you know, you want to try to. Go when they're at their best, but you also want to try to, you want to try to stick your head in when maybe, you know, they don't have the A-team working. You know, it's one thing, it's one thing to have your best crew, you know, on a Friday night when you know you're going to be packed and whatever else, but how are they doing on a Tuesday night? Uh, How are they, uh, because I mean, people are going to eat there on a Tuesday night. So, so, you know, these are things that you need to do. Um, I think you need to evaluate the food based on what they're trying to do. Uh, and not necessarily on some sort of some sort of kind of impossible scale. I've seen some reviewers do this where you know, I, I think I, I think you have to meet you have to meet restaurants at, at at who they're trying to serve. You can't walk into you can't walk into a, you know, super casual place and evaluate it like you would NOMA. Uh, they're 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 completely different things and completely, completely different experiences, different. P- different price points, different, whatever else. And, and, and that, you know, all of those are, all of those are important. Um, and then I think you have to, you have to give people a real sense uh, uh, you try to eat enough of the menu that, um, that, that you have a broad understanding of kind of how, uh, how they do things technique wise, how they, uh, you know, what is the, what is the style of, uh what's the style of service what is the style uh, the, all the factors that that make a great uh restaurant experience and w- if you can do that then i think you can you can give people a really fair assessment of uh, of a of a restaurant if you go in and eat one dish you know and they and they serve 25 different things can you say that you have really given you know given this place the 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 uh, that you have put it through its paces. And so we, we were, we were, uh, when Henrietta Red opened, we, uh, we reviewed it one night and it was, it was, it was a great experience. Uh, but one of the most fun things was you, we walked in there with like, there were like six people and you use typically you go in there with kind of a big group. So you can have a lot of food and you can get, you can hear people's opinions and kind of like what they think about it, you know? And, um, I I said, the, the server came over and said, so what do you want? And I I said, we'll have the right side of the menu. (laughs) Uh, And we just ordered like everything, you know, everything off, uh, basically all of their kind of bigger entrees and kind of like bigger small plates. And, uh, and it was fun because you could see like this breadth of, of things that, that, that Julia uh, Sullivan and her crew were doing. And it, and it was it gave you a real sense of what she was as as a chef and kind of building that menu, but also sort of, kind of, you know, all the different stations that are that are operating uh, to kind of produce that food. It was it, it was you know that gave us a, a great sort of sense.
0: But also let you know technical preparation and execution of service, not based on what you like, right? And I'll paraphrase a. a Retweet or a tweet that you did recently uh, that I read that if you don't like oysters, yeah. <laughs> don't go review the oyster bar, yeah mm-hmm. right like because I mean that's not an accurate review, like you're looking at technically are the oysters fresh, how are they served? was it timely, all of the things that you'd want, not oh, I don't like oysters, so that place wasn't for me, like why would you review that
1: place also it's twenty twenty three eat a fucking oyster so
2: <laughs> <laughs> be a grown up <laughs> well i
0: I eat an oyster every time that i go somewhere that has oysters just to see if I like them. and I don't sure. like them. I don't no, like don't oysters. Like yeah. but, I've, but I've had like a tried. thousand oysters in my life. And every time I'm like, yep.
1: Still, slid, it still, slid right down. Still I still don't like it. Yeah. Now, I
0: did have dinner, that Gracie Nguyen dinner the other night at Star oh, Rover. Yeah. She made an oyster that I actually liked. I was like, ooh, I like this oyster. And then went to Optimist a couple nights later. And I was like, yep. The oyster was beautiful. I mean, that was the presentation was amazing. The server explained where they're from. What, like there's a hierarchy of East Coast to West Coast to Nova Scotia. These are from Prince Edward Island. It was amazing. The presentation, the knowledge that our server had was great. I'm not going to knock them because I personally don't like right. the texture and taste of oysters. That's I feel like me. I
2: have read some stuff where somebody's just like, "I don't like sweetbreads." The end. And it's just like. Why I,
0: did you order the sweetbreads? Like That's I, not an indication of the restaurant. I
2: personally, I'm extremely picky about shrimp. But I could still eat a shrimp dish and tell you if it was seasoned correctly, cooked properly, you know, plated nicely, if the shrimp was fresh. You know, all, I could you're tell you all of these things. I, I am very picky. I think because I grew up on the Gulf Coast. I was going to say, like, you grew up on the Gulf, so I only like shrimp from where I grew up. Like, it has, I have to be, like, on the coast, getting, I, like, I am, fresh I am t- off the boat I shrimp. am, too. As yeah. from
0: selling food to restaurants and having the chef go, what's the cheapest shrimp you got? And you're mm-hmm. like, what, why mm-hmm. no, Why do you want the cheapest shrimp that I have? I'm trying to food. I'm like... That's not a good. Don't don't do that. I've seen so many people cut corners with shrimp yeah. that I'm like, eh, I'm gonna eat shrimp when I'm close to where it's caught. But anyway, back to it. <laughs> the same time. Do you think that we need? Like, I, said, I believe that we need to bring that back. I think we need a really good somebody we can trust who's doing food reviews of places, are going multiple times, and. Creating like a star system almost that's a local for national. Do you really
1: want a star system? I don't know.
0: I'm, uh, it's up uh, for
1: debate. But here's the thing is star systems work really well when you have, when you have an institution that, uh, that cares for it over a number of years and that, and that the, the stars are meaningful and uh, correlated, maintained. And, and, yeah. And, and that, 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 a, that a, that a three star or four star review from ten years ago is a three star or four star review. Now, in terms of kind of like the standards and what you're trying to, you know, what what you're saying is quality. Um, we I don't we don't have that, and and most places most places that are not the New York Times don't have that. I mean, in in Chicago we had Phil Vitale, um, who was, I mean, a god of uh, Icon. Uh, of re- of reviewing, and you know, Phil could Phil had that sort of Phil was that 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 institutional knowledge but um and it was a big deal when when he it was a
2: huge deal when he would come to a restaurant and he also he was critical but he would never just like drag somebody through the mud it was it was very smart and fair criticism and he always had a kind word for everyone even if you could tell he fucking hated somewhere he had something nice to say
0: but, but but that's what i'm talking about i think that there's so, i think we're at a at a city now where we could actually utilize if there was something here all right, so, that so so wasn't yelp i think it would be helpful
1: so so the next question is is kind of like how are you going to pay for it because it's incredibly a, expensive to do that level of that that level of criticism uh, you know phil's <laughs> phil's expense account was i don't know if it was six figures but but it was it might it might have been it would it would surprise me if it was because he because he ate out so much and he had you know he was he was constantly you know dropping in on places that he wasn't reviewing and I think that's what people don't understand about journalism in just sort of in general is that when you hire a journalist and I and I tell people this you're not hiring necessarily a person you're hiring time and you're hiring time. Spent on uh, the the things that you are unwilling to publish, because there are stories that you will that you will leg out and get to the end of and be like, that's not a story. Um, and unless you're willing to invest that amount of time in in not publishing quality uh, s- stories that don't meet your standards, uh, you know, otherwise you and the the what happens is is that you end up. Like only going after low-hanging fruit, and so uh, only only stories that, that that aren't as deeply reported aren't because because it's very expensive to kind of get in, and whether it's news or criticism or what or even sports reporting, uh, kind of do all of that work and then get to the end and be like, eh, that's not really a story. Uh, the the best places do that. Uh, you know, in terms of food criticism. It's you know I, there was there was there was a place that I went back to five times one time. Um, it wasn't super expensive, so I could do it, and I knew I could do it. But I but I kept feeling like like I got like three mediocre meals and like one really great meal, and I kept looking for all right, what am I missing here? Uh, before I wrote about it, and and you know it was on that fifth time it kind of it kind of crystallized sort of. Kind of how they were doing things, and and kind of why I was getting the results I was getting. I, I think that it's important to invest that amount of time and money in, in things, but that's expensive. And in you know, and today, I mean, most most outlets don't have are unwilling to to kind of put that sort of money into it because you know what is the return on it. I mean, the reason why the Tennesseean is doing shitty lists all the time is because they are because it's easy to do. And because it's almost I, clickbait. I mean, you know, it's it's sort of clickbait. Uh, although they're putting some of the stuff behind subscriber walls, and I can't m- imagine that that they're they're like generating subscribers <laughs> in order to see like you know, what are our to, you know what are our top twenty chain restaurants? Well. Who the fuck cares? I <laughs> mean, what are those? wow? I mean,
2: I, top I, I mean, twenty. I don't know. If
1: I will echo that sentiment. I mean, uh, that's out today. That's that's out today. And I and and
2: why? I, I, why? I, I
1: don't know why. I, I don't know why they do. I mean, I think it, I think it because it amuses the people that are doing it, and that's great. But I mean, go go spend your time on something more something more worthwhile than that. I mean, there, there are there are there are lots of things in Nashville that that deserve time and attention before, uh, what, you know, the top 20 chain restaurants before the, before the meal that you spent at red lobster and, and you know, that time and money that, you know, at first watch, I mean, who, <laughs> who cares? Who cares? Uh, I'm and sorry. It's
2: not like they need it. It's not like they need the press, you know? No,
1: I mean, and, and so, but, but to kind of get back to the criticism piece of it, should you know, I, I wish we had a uh, a place that was that w- could do that critically. Uh, the scene is the only place that comes close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, they have uh, they have a. I mean, I'm very biased. I came from there. I, I I hired some of those people. I I love all of those people. You know, Patrick Rogers is a very good editor. Uh, they have uh, they have a set of writers um, who do a very good job on on the criticism side. You know, they have they have some people like like uh, Ashley Brantley, who, who does, who does pieces occasionally.
2: Ashley uh, does a great job and she actually does the work. She'll visit multiple times. She'll, you know, have intelligent criticism, good feedback. She's, she's a really good writer. They've got
1: uh, they, you know, they brought Kay West back because Kay's um, Kay's kind of splitting time between Nashville and Asheville for various reasons. And so she, she had said, Hey, do you want me to, to do some restaurant criticism? And Kay's, Kay's OG. She's she's OG, OG scene. and uh, I mean, if you want to, it's not online, but goddamn, they they should go back. They should go back, and they should pull the. There's a legendary Mario's review that that K wrote, um, where it was about, and they ended up having to. Uh, Mario's was Mario uh, for for those of you who don't know, Mario's was a legendary sort of like high end Italian place. In, it's in, where the
0: Ertzen is now.
1: Yeah, and and, and before. Before Nashville had any sort of like legitimate fine dining scene, Mario's was kind of the place where people went.
0: And Mario's and the wild boar across the street exactly, was another very.
1: Exactly. And so, and, and <laughs> the, the they, Kay went in there and she got, she ordered the veal and it was pork. And oh. she bagged it up and sent it off to, then sent it off to a lab and then wrote about it. What? Um, oh, wow. That's, that's hard. That That's. I and the, I should. That's I, what it's about, though. I should ask the scene people if they could put that online because it's such a. It 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 predated the internet. Um,
2: oh my god, that's uh, amazing! But it's a
1: legendary kind of kind of review. Kind of re, uh, review. The the the. I don't. You know, we always said that the, uh, we we went back and looked it up, and this wasn't the headline, but uh, we'd always referred to it as "there's a squeal in the veal," uh, <laughs> as, the, as as the as that review. Uh, but Kay's doing Kay's doing some reviews. Um, Kay's the best. She's she's great. I mean, and and super uh, uh, focused and fair, and she's I, really really good.
0: I used to work at the Boundary a long time ago, nineteen ninety eight. I Was at the Boundary, and I think there was a piece of paper in the service station, a picture of Kay West. That if you see this woman, get a manager. <laughs> and it was like her her headshot because she was very much yeah. Like her, it would say K by K West. And then like the photo was just a silhouette. Yeah. Like her photo wasn't published. You know, like you funny. had to know her, didn't even know what she looked like, but somebody got a headshot of her and it was in the site. If you see this woman, let a manager know.
1: K West, K West, the uh, well, she wasn't the original, but K West was the last Betty Banner, uh, which was, Betty Banner was the nom de plume of the society column that ran in the, in the banner. And K's... Case picture. The a picture of Kay's face didn't appear, but a picture of Kay's hands, uh, covered in white gloves, like wearing white <laughs> gloves, uh, oh. was like was like the silhouette. Uh, was 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 like the um, the the photo that ran with her column it was fantastic. Um, matter as a matter of fact, like some some people around town, if they see her, will still call her Betty Banner.
2: Oh, that's great. It's
1: fantastic. Yeah, but but again, to kind of bring bring it back here you have to put resources into this. The Tennessean walked away from that a long time ago. Uh, after, you know, after Jim Myers left and after Jennifer Justice left, you know, they, they had people covering the restaurant scene, but they haven't really kind of devoted any amount of criticism to it. And that's, you know, that it, they have done that across the board. Uh, you know, the reason why Brad Schmidt has a columnist position right now is because when Gail Kerr, uh, when Gail Kerr died, they split that Metro columnist into a couple of different positions. And so Brad had part of it. And I think Jessica Bliss had part of it. Um, and <laughs> the result of it was you didn't really have a Metro columnist anymore. And so, you know, like all the things that Gail wrote about and, you know, going back into like the income tax fight and, and kind of like her deeply reported stuff on the Metro council and whatever else you lost sort of all of that uh, at, uh at, at some at, at some level but because I think institutionally they have they have decided that they've they they want to get away from having columnists and having criticism it's the reason why their op-ed page doesn't you know doesn't endorse anybody anymore because they're scared to death of losing uh, you know of losing uh, subscribers because of because of having a strong opinion on the on you know from from the paper
2: Well and that's when you lose legitimate journalism is when nobody can have an opinion about anything anymore.
1: Yeah. And, and that isn't, an, that is an institutional from Gannett thing. I mean, that's not, that that's not something that they woke up one day and said, you know, Oh, we're not going to endorse for president. Right. No, I mean the, the company is scared shitless of, 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 uh, <laughs> of losing subscribers of any sort of stripe. And so they've, they've kind of, they've kind of walked away from, from this, which is why you get like, you know, you know, David Plaza's like flogging civility all day on the, uh, on the op ed pages as opposed to, kind of digging in and taking stands on, on on issues or or candidates.
0: What? Man, I'm fascinated right now. I, I I want I want you to stay here for two more hours, I and I want to just keep going because I want to talk to you about the Nashville Stars potential baseball team. <laughs> I want to talk about the Nashville Soccer Club. I want to talk about so many other things that are happening in Nashville. But we have another interview coming in in like five minutes. That's fine. And like we're I'm like. Damn, I know why so many people have said you got to have Steve Cavendish on the show. I've learned he'll say
1: anything.
0: Well, no, I just think it's really fascinating because I'm not in—I I, guess—in the technical realm of doing a podcast, talking about this stuff. I'm in the media world, but I'm—I'm I'm not. But like, just the whole media world is kind of like the restaurant community. Oh yeah, like the, I know I can tell you no, all the chefs and people. Like, fucked up as anybody. You know everybody <laughs> and who's writing about what and the history behind it. Like it's really fascinating to me yes. as a consumer for so many years but i've realized like i'm not not really like i don't have the time i don't spend as much time reading the things i need to read and i'm really excited about what you're bringing for the nashville banner because i've went back and read a few of the articles and they've been really insightful and it's not leaning one way or the it's just a this is this is what it is that we're presenting to you the facts and i i love that i think it's um I'm excited to see what you guys come up with. Well, thanks.
1: We're, we're excited. Um, Like I said, we're, we're trying to finish this raise and people have asked us, you know, why is this taking so long for you to do? Well, I mean, you have to have the, you have to have the amount of money to build a sustainable organization. Uh, And if you don't have it, don't launch. And so that's why it's taken us kind of so long to, to get here, and hopefully we'll in the middle of that. Well, hopefully we'll be we're going to be there very soon, and um, and uh, out in time for in time to provide really solid coverage of the mayor's race and council and all the other stuff that's coming up this year.
0: I really look forward to following that. Caroline, you got Absolutely. any final kind of thoughts? No, we do.
2: I, I was going to say, you guys, like you were saying earlier, I just want to jump back and say you guys are already reporting stories, and you can go on your website and subscribe to get those stories sent to your inbox. Straight so, to
1: your inbox. Yeah, so you don't... And, and, it's, and it's really interesting. To, it's, it's not a paywall, right? No. and, and Everything's and, free. And everything's free, and that's important. Everything will always be free. We will never have a paywall for the banner. Uh, and, and the reason why is... Uh, we think that we're going to find people who support us and it, the model will be a membership model, similar to, you know, like how NPR affiliates like WPLN um, have done it. We'll, we'll find supporters who will help support us uh, and pay for this for, for everyone. But it is, it is, it, we've lost so much. And then I, I find, I find it kind of horrifying that we've taught people to, uh, expect things to be free uh, on the internet for years, and now, you know, at, I, I don't blame companies like Gannett who who have to who now have to shift to this subscribe this hard paywall subscriber model uh, in order to sustain their journalism. I hundred percent understand that and don't begrudge them that. But uh, you know, we've lost too much, and to now put your to, to now put your most important news behind a paywall does not serve the community that you're in so we're not going to see the top 20 fast food restaurants behind a paywall in the nashville banner uh, you're not going to see the top 20 (laughs) fast food (laughs) restaurants ever in the nashville banner so
0: (laughs) steve cavendish uh you can follow him on twitter at his his handle is at s cavendish that's c-a-v-e-n-d-i-s-h he tweets a lot
1: that's that's not that's. Uh, You're an interesting tweeter. That's Steve. not a that, good that, that does not speak well of me. Well, yeah, I was just <laughs> you. D- you don't
2: hold back on Twitter.
1: Like sixty five thousand tweets. You <laughs> look. I'm not as bad as somebody uh, as some other people. Go look at Jr. Lynn's account and, and tell me. Uh, and, you know, and then tell me who has a problem.
2: I don't think I've ever sent one tweet in my life. Really? I'm on, you know what? I'm on Twitter and I follow like four people. You're one of them, of course. But uh, the main reason I'm on Twitter, honestly, is to follow the severe weather Twitter account. Oh my the God. The Severe WX guys are the best. Yeah. They are the absolute best. That's, that's my main use of Twitter is, am I about to die in a tornado? <laughs> it's, it's, and, and they will tell you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I
0: love the one last week that was like, okay, here's the deal. There's a 5% chance there's a tornado, there's a 5% chance of heavy <laughs> hail. But what that also means is there's a ninety-five right. percent chance it's not going to happen. So and
2: we all needed Stop that worrying,
0: yeah. but be ready. Like yeah. be ready, but like stop freaking out. There's no need to like ruin your day because there's a five percent chance.
1: Those guys are the best. Oh my gosh, it's just so good,
0: Steve. If you could come back next week, we'd like to do this the, <laughs> <of> the week <laughs> after. Every week. We have like a monthly, a standing monthly uh, Steve Cavendish episode. I'd be really excited about that. I'm dead serious I do want to have you back sure like sooner than later sure maybe in the middle of the mayoral race I'd love to hear your take yeah since you're not giving opinion on the Nashville banner, I'd love to hear your opinion once you interview all the people and maybe we can have, ask you some questions about individual candidates and what they stand for and kind of just pick your brain on that because I think you'd be a, a wealth of information for
1: well, let's us. have that conversation
0: thank you so much for joining us today good Thanks, to be here. Steve. Big thank you to Steve Cavendish for joining the show, and as you can see, I'm really excited Caroline is back. She had so much this episode, and um, this episode was interesting because I learned so much, and I also realized how much I don't know. You know, I kind of get in my own head. I'm like, man, I need to know more about all of these things, and I just, there's only so many hours in a day to work and read books and all this stuff, and it's, it's okay. It's all right. Uh, it's inspired me to read more local news and to understand uh, a lot more and what's going on in our community and our neighbors. It's just a, it's just a thing. So thank you all for listening. I hope that this was a fun episode for you. Next week we are talking with Claire Crowell. She is the president of La Dame Nashville. She is also the owner of Hattie Jane's Creamery. And uh, we're excited. It's a fun conversation about everything that's happening going on this week. I do want to say there is a symposium that they're doing, La Dame d'Escavier. And on March the 6th, it is a desegregating the Nashville food scene at Yaya's. And that is uh, Charlotte Miller's restaurant. And I'm excited. Caroline and I will be there. We'd love for you to join us. It is going to be uh, go to the La Dame de Descafier Nashville website and you can buy your tickets now. It's $50 a person. It does include food and drink. So that's a good deal. Um, thank you again for listening. If you want to watch this interview, it is available on our YouTube channel right now. And you can watch the full interview in its entirety with no commercials, unedited, just straight through. I didn't take anything out of this episode. You can probably tell. It's just straight us talking for a little over an hour. And uh, again, We'd love to have Steve back on the show. A lot more episodes like this coming up. We're going to have Charlotte Miller on the podcast in a couple weeks. Uh, we're going to have some. Uh, we're going to have a mayoral candidate, Sharon Hurt, on the show. Also, just lots of lots of fun people coming on, and we're going to continue doing what we do here. Thank you again for
1: listening. Hope that you guys are being safe out there. Love you guys. Bye.